This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3442 for Tuesday, the 12th of October 2021. Today's show is entitled, What is this thing called science? It is hosted by Klaatu and is about 13 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, critical thinking is only part of the equation. Here's the other part. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hey everybody, this is Klaatu. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. Some time ago I did uh, some episodes in which I ostensibly demonstrated how to create a PDF with Scribus, an open-source application for page layout. Secretly, I was actually demonstrating how unexpected payloads could be embedded into a PDF file. So this episode that you're listening to right now is a direct response to episode 3414, which came up on the Hacker Public Radio mailing list recently. If you're not on the Hacker Public Radio mailing list, you should subscribe. It's low traffic, but some important discussions happen on it, such as this one. So my question for this episode, the one that you're listening to, did the PDF I upload as part of that Scribus episode no longer contain a payload if the listener who downloaded it wasn't aware that the payload existed? I'll leave you with that question for a little while and talk about something else. For instance, I've been diagnosed, shall we say, by educators as a lifelong learner, which as far as I can tell is kind of a buzzword within the educational sector, referring to someone who takes pleasure in learning new things. I think the term to us would just be hacker. People who enjoy learning and exploring new ideas, taking apart gadgets to see what makes them tick, reverse engineering code and data to understand how it gets processed, whatever else. The thing about being a hacker or a lifelong learner, whatever you want to call it, is that there's a lot of stuff out there that wants to be hacked or learned. And it turns out that it's just not possible to learn everything. Sometimes you're just out of your depth. It can be tricky to recognize when you're out of your depth, and I think there's a certain learnable skill to knowing when you don't know something. There's a lot of value to this skill because when you can recognize that you don't have expertise on something, you can, you're able to learn, you're able to look around you and find someone else who does have that expertise and then you can learn from them. In my own humdrum life before getting a full-time job at a tech company, I was commissioned on several occasions to build infrastructure for one thing or another. I've built infrastructure for video game development, for an indie radio station, uh, various multimedia projects, and so on. And when I took those roles, I became really the resident expert. People turned to me for the authoritative word on what technological solutions should be used. When I told them, they were more or less obligated to listen because that was the role that I'd been hired to do. If they were to ask me what a workstation should run, and I said Linux, but they went and bought a Mac instead, then my role would have been pretty much inarguably redundant. They could just as easily type their question into a search engine on the internet and then ignore the result, or they could roll a die or or whatever. In those cases, it's a question of my opinion compared to someone else's opinion. Both are valid. Um, Because I was the architect, my opinion mattered more to the long-term plan. But, I mean, it's just a long-term plan. You can change it. 
So if we had changed the long-term plan from having a highly available cluster for fast 3D model rendering to having workstations with a familiar desktop, then my opinion would have been less valid. There are some areas in life, though, where the opinions don't matter, and specifically that area is science. Okay, so science. What is that? People talk about science a lot, but it took me, honestly, a long time, especially because I came largely from sort of, I guess, what you would call an artistic background. It took me forever to comprehend the significance of that of the term science, much less how it worked. I find it helpful to just forget all about the stuff in high school and the pop dietitians and pop physicists that we see in bookstores and stuff. Science is a framework. And I know framework is a little bit of a buzzword in tech as well, but for me that makes sense. Science is a framework. It's a set of principles designed to help our human brains hack the world around us in a methodical and precise and exact way. Instead of letting our opinions, which may or may not be relevant, depending on, you know, whatever the long-term goal is or whatever, instead of opinions influencing the conclusions and decisions that we make, science looks at the results of controlled input and output. Wait a minute, input and output? Those are words we understand. Those are computer terms. Yeah, as it turns out, computers are the product of science, and in fact, building computers and programming computers is a form of computer science. Those are just words we made up, but they reveal a lot about what we computer hackers do all day, because computers don't understand the influence of opinion, or your force of will, or the power of faith. Computers are a form of, a product of science. They, they take input, they produce output, and they do this very, very reliably. I don't know whether you've ever tried, but it's really hard to build, to, to make a computer. Comprehending how a CPU processes you know, rudimentary electrical pulses to transform them into complex instruction sets is, at least to me, mind-bending. I've sat down, thought about it critically, I've set up a few experiments, and I, I'm not even kidding. I've I've set up a few experiments. Like there's one that you can do um, with dominoes. Believe it or not, that can help you build a logic circuit out of out of dominoes. Uh, there's a it's on YouTube number file. Go check it out. It's it's fascinating stuff. There's a Turing machine you can build with Magic the Gathering cards. There's an electronics kit that will help you build an 8-bit computer out of just like electrical components. But even with all those experiments, the, say, Open Risk 5 CPU still eludes my comprehension. And just to be clear, back in 2008 or so, I was hired to stress test a RISC CPU, not RISC 5, but a RISC architecture CPU to determine whether it was efficient at rendering massive amounts of video. I designed tests, because I was paid to, in an attempt to prove that a RISC CPU could not outperform the latest Intel Core 2 Duo, I think, or maybe it was the Intel Xeon. And I was not able, I don't remember, I wasn't able to achieve that goal. Risk did turn out to be better for, for that specific task. So my affinity for risk is far from just a passing interest. I, I have a vested interest in risk. It's something that I'm very fond of, but I cannot build a risk 5 or even really explain how risk 5 works. For that, I understand that there are experts. These aren't just people I call experts because it's labeled that way on their shirt pocket. Like, these are experts because they're building the Risk v It demonstrably works. I met some of them back at uh, OS... Was it OSSCon? I think OSSCon in uh, 2019. 
I recognize their expertise because they're proving their knowledge. So let's say I had approached the RISC-V booth with the preconception that x86 was superior. After all, why would most consumer computers be running x86 if they weren't the best? I might be skeptical if I were told by the reps that RISC-V is superior for some tasks. I mean, like, I might think maybe they have ulterior motives. Could they have been paid off by big silicon to lie about RISC's performance in order to hurt x86 market share? Yeah, it could happen. And that skepticism is important. It's it's arguably part of the science... Well, it is part of the scientific process. Look at the results of an experiment, replicate the input, and ensure that the output is reliably the same, and then you're part of the scientific process. Just standing there and saying that you doubt the veracity of these experiments, that's, that's not part of the scientific process. You have to take it that, that extra step and actually demonstrate how the output is different under the same conditions. And you just can't be sure until you've duplicated the experiments that make the claim in the first place. In a lot of the cases that I'm talking about here, like the high-up cases, this requires like controlled environments and possibly some pretty high-end equipment. And, you know, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to have access to those resources. I'm not going to be able to sit down and have the understanding of all the, of all the potential variables involved. I just don't have that expertise. But I'm willing to trust the expertise of a lot of people from all over the world working on uh, for instance, the Risk Five uh, uh, project. I'm going to trust that because they all agree on similar findings that they're saying about the design and architecture of this CPU, that there's a high likelihood that their findings are indeed correct. And the same goes as it turns out for biological sciences. No matter how how many one-off experiments discover that uh, I don't know, cigarette smoking is beneficial for your health, the wider scientific consensus is that it's harmful. No matter how many um, free thinkers on the internet discover that COVID-19 is actually no worse than the common cold. The worldwide scientific community asserts that it's actually quite harmful. And medical staffs across the globe assert that increased cases of COVID-19 cause bed and healthcare shortages for everyone else. Somebody online may assert that it's an impossibly unified, globe-spanning political plot, but that relies on a bunch of untestable opinions and interpretations of reality that fall well outside any scientific framework. And it seems to me that this line of speculation makes about as much sense as asking whether your computer CPU can really still add numbers accurately. I mean, couldn't it occasionally be lying to you? The device you're using to listen to my voice right now, and trusting not to scramble what I'm saying and accurately play what I recorded in the first place, is based on the same scientific principles used by those in biological sciences. We're feeding data into functions, whether that function is written in code, forged in silicon, or written on paper as a mathematical formula. We're doing that and we're observing the results. When every expert in their field across the entire globe agrees on the, the output, I think we do too. It's either that or we'd better all go start building our own 8-bit circuits out of chicken wire and batteries and just start to rebuild from the ground up. So the PDF that I uploaded as part of my Scribus experiment, even if a listener downloaded that PDF, even if they, they looked for a hidden file for some reason, I don't know why they would have, but if they had, they could have investigated. They could have felt pretty good about that PDF. They might have been very, very confident about their findings. They could have recorded an episode about how how upstanding Klaatu was, and how Klaatu was totally not a liar, and totally didn't 
upload a PDF containing embedded data. In the end, you and I know, with the benefit of hindsight, that that listener would be incorrect. Their experiments, whatever those experiments would have been, would have been insufficient to reveal the secret thing that I had done to that PDF. The payload did exist, but it was just outside this imaginary listener's detection or comprehension. Critical thinking is important, it'll get you very far in life, but at the same time, the scientific framework requires more than just critical thinking. Just as building a RISC-V processor takes a heck of a lot more than just being a fan of the RISC architecture. And solving the COVID-19 crisis takes a lot more than just critical thinking and a couple of backyard experiments. We're not in the dark ages anymore, folks. Go get vaccinated and stay safe. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.